Right now, welcome you all to another episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host Bernhard Gunther. And my very special guest today, which I'm really looking forward to talk to, is John Paul Rice. And just give a little introduction. John Paul Rice is an independent producer of six films, 20 years in the Hollywood film industry. Oh boy. <laughs> I uh, made a film called A Child's Voice in 2017 about human trafficking and satanic ritual abuse and sacrifice of children. This experience led uh, John Paul Rice to see the bigger view of the world and he stepped into the unknown and down the rabbit hole he tumbled. Uh, welcome to the show, John. Hey, Barnard. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very glad to connect with you after all this craziness or during this craziness. And I also want to uh point out that i've come across your work uh was i think yeah last year the first time i heard from you i think you recorded a video i think it was believe on instagram but it was went also viral on facebook mm -hmm. where you're sharing uh, about your film a child's voice that got was taken down from amazon i believe mm -hmm. right yes and you had this amazing monologue which really touched me because you talked about what's happening in the world the satanic ritual abuse your experiences in hollywood and all of that and which mm -hmm. you also artistically expressed which for me is the true meaning of art as well to by the way to heal and bring that message through yeah which hollywood has you know forgotten basically um but you really uh, turned this also not just about exposing the dark within but also the dark without uh, without but also the dark within and really yes. this in integral view which we all i feel need to embody which goes into my work as well to yeah, seek truth expose the dark without but also our own wounds, heal traumas, and all of that where they tag into and manipulate us. And yeah. that's, I feel, very important to have this integral, holistic view, right? So I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, and like, I would say, let's just start with current events and then see yeah. where it leads us, right? Because I just, it's craziness. I am blocked. I got censored on Facebook. I'm off Facebook right now. And they're shutting down social medias, as we know, purging on Twitter. Parler will be offline in less than 24 hours. Yeah. So something is happening for sure ever since what happened in D.C. And you were in D.C., right? Yes. So give me your view. What What did you see? What did you experience? What were your impressions? Yeah, so thank you. Um, I was in D.C. from the 5th to the 7th. Uh, I participated in the Freedom Plaza rally. Then I went to the Trump rally uh, on the 6th where he was to speak. I think it was at 11 a.m. It ended up coming, I think, an hour later at 12. Um, there were hundreds of thousands, if not a million people there, as far as the eye could see. Um, the spirit of the people there was one of love, unity. It was a cross-section of America, every gender, uh, race, religion, creed, um, skin color. It, it was, it was about, it was everything the opposite that the media portrays. Um, and what happened that day based on what I saw and what my friends who I've known for years saw and were there documenting with video camera was a group that had moved out before Trump had finished speaking, headed over to the Capitol And they were met with barricades, but they were being instructed by people who were ahead of them to move past those barricades while the police were there. And they had already started firing tear gas and antagonizing the Trump people who were marching. It was learned at this time that, um, you know, Pelosi and others were already they had already begun the vote. 
And right as the, um, as the first barricade was moved through, the police went back and allowed everybody to advance all the way up to the very top. So, so there were three levels. If you look outside, this is where they do the inauguration and everything. So there were three levels. And yes, there were people that climbed up. Uh, there were people that were helping him up. It wasn't mass like thousands of people, but hundreds were climbing up because you couldn't get around through the stairs. You know, it all ever became a log jam and people wanted to get closer, but they were allowed to advance and move up there. And what you've seen, not on television, but you've seen it if you've gone on social media where you can find it. There have been videos of people showing where they were hitting on windows, trying to break glass and the Trump people moved in and stopped those people. There was somebody who had moved with a sledgehammer through the crowd. And that person, when they got it up to where the cops were, handed it to the cops. They didn't want the violence. They were angry because of what was going on and the deception. But when that event, that event went off with the shooting and everything else was right at the time when the live on live television, they were about to start talking about the fraud and presenting that evidence. And that's when the incident happened. That's when the chamber closed. Everybody had to go in, uh, go into cover. And what's amazing is if you look at some of the footage around the building and inside, everybody was pretty much moving along or being led through the chamber in an orderly fashion with cops there. Um, and I've even seen a slit, a video of the woman who supposedly got shot. And I'm not saying she didn't get shot or that she didn't get killed but or didn't die. But what was most troubling about that angle was the fact that the person who shot at her did not give her any warning. She was on the other side of a door. Mm. She was not brandishing, you know, she did not brandish a weapon. And there was a person down the hallway who was looking right at her where that guy, uh, the guy closest to her had his gun trained on her, pulled the trigger. She fell. And what creeped me out the most was that there were two guys behind her in full tactical gear with either M16s or AK, uh, AR-15s. I think it was an M16. They, that guy went and moved to the side of her after she had fall, fell down and looked down the hallway and gave the guy a thumbs up. Wow. And that to me was like, what the hell is this? This does not make sense. This does not add up. They, they talk about, um, anyway, I could go into all the details. It really yeah. doesn't matter. We're here now, but, um, here's what I tell people. Um, if you think that this was not staged in any which way, you have to consider this. You have a DC mayor who knew for four weeks that there was going to be a massive protest and a march coming to Washington, DC. That's not out of the ordinary. The only thing that was out of the ordinary was the fact that it was such a large crowd of people. Yeah. She, the day before, turned down federal assistance to have extra support there to reinforce the Capitol building, understanding that there was a schedule from the speech to then move to the Capitol, which would mean at minimum tens of thousands of people would be surrounding the Capitol. This is the same capital that has spent billions and billions and billions of dollars 
every year since 9-11 to secure it. It has surveillance technologies beyond anything that we know today, and it should have also the personnel and the people ready to stand and guard that and protect people so that they can't get close to the building. They can't get inside. So the fact that she did all of this and allowed these people to advance and and had the I mean, these are all trained police officers and security forces that are supposed to put down any kind of insurrection that's going to happen. They welcome these people in. Yeah. And the ones that they they were fighting with, it was almost like the officers were pushing, pushing, not not standing ground, not with their guard, not with the, the, the tactical stuff that they're taught. This is totally the opposite. It doesn't it doesn't follow protocol. So when I look at that and I see what the mayor does and then what do they do? The net effect is they declare all of the Trump supporters that were there domestic terrorists. And then you have the city of Pittsburgh and several other municipalities now issuing orders saying that if anybody, any one of our employees was there and we find out disciplinary action will be taken. So this whole thing, and then you have the momentum that this is all brought about, which is Trump support. It reinforces all the old ideologies, all the old beliefs. Trump supporters are violent. They're national white supremacists. They're nationalists. It's like, it's, it's like a false illusion of reality. Were there people in the, um, in the group that participated? Probably so. I wouldn't doubt that at all. But I tell people this, if you go back and look at the BLM protests last year, when they started, and there's footage of this in Atlanta, this is perfect. You can go back and even look at CNN. There's BLM marching through Centennial Park past the CNN building. And what happens? There's provocateurs in that group infiltrated they move over to the building. They start bashing and hitting on the windows and knocking down the structure and taking spray paint out. What does that do? It takes everybody who is there for one thing and it shifts attention over to this. It draws energy towards it. It draws out people who are interested in violence. It starts moving in and, and creating kind of like a, a camaraderie around it. And so what happens is kind of like monkey see, monkey do. We all are yeah. creatures of imitation. It doesn't, it's not to excuse anybody's violent acts, but, but what these people know about psychological warfare, just go look at what the CIA has done for decades in countries that they've overthrown, that we all know that they have. This is not a conspiracy theory. They use these types of tactics to create revolutions that are artificial, but they're instigated. They take the true believers and they know the human psyche so well that they can condition you to believe that you're a part of something that's right. I mean, if you look at the logical conclusions of Antifa and and BLM, at the end of the day, they believe what they're doing is right and they are righteous in that belief in spite of the evidence that shows they burned down and destroyed over $2 billion worth of property this year. Yeah. And in the face of those facts, it's like, how do you hold those kinds of contradictions together? Well, we'll get into that, but it really is, it is the exclamation point of our child abuse system. So in DC, what has happened, what has gone down is, is to me, it was a staged event so that they'd have the perfect cover to certify a fraudulent election label all of the Trump supporters domestic terrorists and create 
further upheavals. Now they're they've given them the bans on social media, Twitter justified taking down Trump and others. They took down Sidney Powell. They took down Michael Flynn. They took down all of my friends, my news yeah. reporter friends. Tracy Beans was one of them. She had a half a million people. Tracy Beans is, is a true patriot. She's, she's like, she's a mom of kids. She's a good friend of mine. We've known each other for three years now. She was the first to support a child's voice when it came out. Um, but the point I'm making is that anybody who was talking the truth about the corruption, about the this this whole time in the last four years, they silenced them immediately under the guise that Twitter said, well, people are planning online and offline among the Trump base that they're going to plan future domestic terrorist attacks on the Capitol. So now you've seen the fencing go up. You've seen the lockdowns be extended for two to three weeks uh, or into March, something like this is crazy. Yeah. And, um, and now we're, we're here, right? We're here in a place where 1984 is literally coming true. And, um, and everybody's looking for answers and nobody knows who's telling the truth anymore. Yeah. No, no, thank you for the first person account. It totally verifies. I mean, it's, it ties into just basic psychological warfare, as you mentioned. If you look at even just logically common sense, who benefited from the storming of the Capitol in the end? Who, you know, it was the right. Democrats, the deep state, the left, all of that, right? Biden, Pelosi, all of that. And it was interesting to see as well, because I was watching the Congress live when they, you know, uh, talking about voter fraud. And was it the point when Arizona, was uh, was questioned about water fraud and this Republican, I forgot, made a great speech about like laying out almost all the evidence. In that moment, boom, they stormed the Capitol and they had to go into hiding, right? Right. And right. then I agree with you. It's like typical agent provocateur. It could be Antifa dressed or BLM and dressed as, as Trump supporters who know somebody initiated it. And there's always like, it's... Thank you for mentioning it's basic human psychology, right? Especially crowd, crowd psychology that even then Trump supporters like, oh, let's go, you know, let's follow them, right? So right. I, I'm sure there's a mix of them and they, you know, took the bait, went into the trap basically. And I agree with you, like, how is like the Capitol building, a government building should be the most secured, especially on an event like this, the most that they know just is open. coming. <laughs> exactly. And they just open and literally you see the cops just open just standing by. And also they went in and out and nobody really got arrested. Right. And right. even I'm sure you heard about Andy Nigo, who has really documented Antifa uh, yes. rights and all of that. And those people, he also confirmed there was an Antifa, well known Antifa activist inside the Capitol yes. and they caught him. And then he got arrested and released the next day again. What the hell is that all about, right? The typical yes. like arresting and re releasing. I mean, there's so much corruption. Um, but also what, what I've heard like um, from somebody who was there, I, I shared, by the way, on Facebook, a uh, first person account of a woman who was there, which then Facebook censored me for. And, and, and I got into Facebook jail because it's dangerous information when she just shared her first person account, similar right. mentioning what you mentioned. Uh, but she was said something interesting that Trump was late and his, his speech was going on and re repeating the same thing. It seemed he was aware what was going on and trying to prevent people just from going to the Capitol at first on oh, some level of not yeah. taking the bait, so to speak. Right. So there's that as well. But what was interesting that would have, you know, when they resumed the Congress, you know, I was watching it right away. Especially the Democrats, the, the speeches they gave with their like virtual signaling and uh, it was a threat, it was the worst day in our American history, blah, blah, blah. It seemed almost so scripted. 
as if they knew that was going to happen. I couldn't help. And then all of a sudden, even the Republicans, all the traders turned like, well, you know, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to certify the votes now. We're not going to object anything. It was just so, I, I could, I was like watching a movie script, literally. Yeah. It played so perfectly yeah. in the hand of the deep state, no? Well, it was almost like it was too easy for the swamp to win. Yeah. And um, especially when you consider that, I mean, we didn't know what to expect on the 6th. Let me, let me you know, ex explain. I went to D.C. because something told me to go. And I also wanted to be around people that I had met over the last three years, been on their shows, followed them. You know, we've connected and to meet each other for the first time in mm. one place. It was a beautiful thing. Um, so when, when, when I, you know, people ask me, well, what do you expect? I said, well, he said it's going to be wild. <laughs> Uh, and Trump typically, I mean, even though he builds up, it's called setup and payoff, right? So I, I'm not going to sit here and speculate on why I was asked to go to D.C. or why he called people to D.C., but I did expect that there would be a reveal uh, that morning prior to going over that would cause an influence. But at the same time, I think I was in a wishful thinking mode that that somehow there was going to be something we couldn't yet see happen in the Congress, right? Outside of the fraud and the evidence being uh, submitted, you know, what could change the outcome? Because I've actually watched this before when Kerry went up there, Gore, uh, all these other, you know, the, the, this has happened before where people have objected to electors and then you have to have, and, and it never, it never, well, We all know now why, but it never comes to fruition because it's essentially a rigged election is it's not a rigged election against a candidate. It's a rigged election against people. It's a false choice of illusion in both cases. And um, so anyway, I I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that this happened so that everybody could see with their own eyes Because it, in some ways, and I'm not looking at this like if this is a silver lining, it has drawn a clear contrast between those who support an authoritarian regime, who are cheering on censorship, yeah. who are, um, and, and not because we need to out them and ostracize them. Don't do the same thing that they're doing to us, which is targeting us, putting us on list, telling us you're not going to be part of our polite society, um, saying that we have to do something with these people, you know, all that kind of crap, all that kind of language that you go, well, follow it to its logical conclusion. What does that mean? Right. Renunciation's not going to be enough. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to, if, if these people get in, I've told people this. You will be begging to go back to 2020. <laughs> you will be begging to have coronavirus be your only problem in a, in a fake pandemic in 2020. Then when these people go in and they start putting their policies in place, um, it's, not, it's not liberal. It's not Democrat. It's not left versus right. This is an authoritarian regime of people who, if you think they're going to allow this to ever happen to them ever again, you are kidding yourself. Anybody who's sitting here talking about, well, 2022 and 2024, it's like, no, everything that you just witnessed the last four years should tell you very clearly, this is what they think about you and want to do to you when they don't even have power. Hmm. When they get in that door, they're going to weld it shut. They are not going to be nice, play nice and friendly with democracy Because what's happened, unfortunately, and I was, I was on the left. I was a guy 
people voted for Kerry, Barack Obama twice, Bernie Sanders in 2016, not because I was a socialist or communist, because I was anti-establishment. And I was a true believer, and I was terrified when Donald Trump was elected. Terrified. I thought we had elected Hitler. I did not see the full picture yet. I had seen what they did to Sanders. I saw what they did to their voters. You can call it gaslighting, whatever. Sanders won that election in 2016 with at least 70% of the vote. I can prove that. I actually did the data analysis on it before anybody else was really. People were, but they really didn't know what they were seeing like they did this year. Um, anyway, I'm kind of I'm digressing here, but I, I want to make it very clear that what has happened is that people have been weaponized with a boogeyman in Donald Trump yeah. and, and in psychological programming. You, you just take identity politics. There is a victim class and there is a perpetrator. So the victim class is trans transgendered people which make up less than 1% of the population. That's not to diminish their, their lived experience, their, their, their belief systems, anything. They're human beings, deeply flawed, as flawed as all of us. But what these people do is they make it about hatred, violence, terror done onto trans people. And who is it? White right-wingers, Christian evangelicals. I mean, it's just, it's just blight, like, group labeling left and right. Yeah. And what it does is it keeps the cognitive dissonance going because if you are, you feel victimized in any which way you feel under attack, under assault in any which way. And, and once the media tells you, or once your idol tells you in a Hollywood, you feel, you start seeing it everywhere because the media will give that to you. Plus you'll also start seeing the agitation arrive in people who don't accept that as the norm or are polite about enough of it, but politically disagree with you. And then you're told, well, they're hateful, they're hateful, they're bigots, this, that, and the other. They've done exactly the same thing with Donald Trump. They have projected everything onto him so that you emotionally are conditioned to stay away from anybody who supports him, stay away from anything that is truthful, that is outside of the orthodoxy and call yourself intelligent, smart, aware. The issue is, though, that all of the people that have been in front of you telling you this from Hollywood to the D.C. establishment and even the corporate sector, all of them are narcissists at minimum. And I give you one point. Hillary Clinton went for a year and a half to two years after she lost 2016, despite all of the things that she ignored, all the things she could have done to win and blamed over 200 people, 200 different groups of people. And didn't take any accountability. So what does that do to your base? It insulates them and they adopt that mentality of a narcissist. And that's what you're seeing with the extreme left is a narcissism fueled by righteousness, which will end up being violent. And nobody should be celebrating this and nobody should be looking to make a fight with these people because all of them have been deceived. I was deceived. Not because I had to come to the position of Trump. All I had was the truth. I had a world full of lies and I needed to know the truth. And that's the only thing that I I could go to was look at what he says. Look at what the media portrays it. Charlottesville is a perfect example. Covington is a perfect example. Go across anything that he said and look at how the media portrays it. 
There's video of him doing long speeches online. They've, they, he did roundtables on prison reform for two hours with Van Jones and black pastors there. I'm going, if this guy is a racist, he's one of the worst race. He's wor- <laughs> the, one of the worst people at being racist that I've ever seen. I mean, because <laughs> he... He hates he hates black people so much that he'll pass all of these these reforms and give them economic. It it just we're here now. There's no going back. The toothpaste is out of the tube. It ain't going back in. And we've got to figure out what we're going to do here with all of this. Right. At at the end of the at the end of the day, all that has come before has brought us here. And now that we're here, everybody's kind of like, I don't know what to do. Right. We're back to like. I don't know what to do. What? Who's telling me the truth? What is Trump doing? Have we lost? Is it over? What do I have to prepare? And then there's other people. I mean, here's the great thing, too. There's other people out there that I see in my day-to-day life going about their life like they don't know the danger they're under. They don't know anything that's going on other than, okay, they took his Twitter down and he lost. And, you know, I mean, that's fine too, because I'd rather have that than a whole bunch of, you know, millions of people freaked out around me more than they already are with everything else that's going on. You know, (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, it's just, uh, I'm apologizing only because I know you asked me a question and I'm giving you a lot more, but I'm watching this thing unfold. And I'm looking back over the last four, four to five years of my own life. And it's not the political growth. It's the emotional, mental, mm. spiritual growth that has resulted in not putting my identity in people who I believed in and actually had to go through understanding that the betrayal I was feeling was mirroring my own childhood in many ways. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I had to look deeper. And um, I had been on that path for a while, learning about my childhood through Alice Miller, uh, through therapy, through self-reflection. But it all came to a head in 2019. And we, we can get into that and talk about it. But um, what's going on right now is very serious. There are military operations underway. Um, people have to sit tight and wait because truly... If Biden gets in and this all fails, um, people like you, I, mean, I can only speak for myself, people like we, me will, will be off the grid yeah. and, and, and in hiding because I know it will only be a matter of time. My name is out there. I've said a lot of things. I'm a voice that can cause and stir a lot of trouble up, and they don't want that, obviously. Yeah. No, no, I can, I'm, same, same for me, brother. I mean, I'm receiving already like you know, the projections, the taxes have been going on for years anyways. But you made a very important point, which before we go into the deeper aspect, which you just mentioned, the importance, you know, of our inner healing and whatnot and the emotions and whatnot and, and, the, and the trauma. Um, but what we are dealing right now, it's World War III, is psychological warfare. It's emotional manipulation. It's, com- yes. you know, and especially with the media, big tech, it's brainwashing. And I had the similar, I come from a different background. I was always like anarchist, no status. I don't care left, right, whatever. Even when Trump got elected, like whatever, like, okay, let's, I saw it as a good thing from a young and shadow uh, work perspective. Oh, he's going to trigger the shit out of people. This is, an op- <laughs> this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity, right? If people would apply shadow work. But the disruption we needed. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know, but then I got curious too. And it's like, it's 
similar to you, like, why are, are they so hating him on so much? Why are they trying to hell bent trying to get him out of office? It was impeachment, the fake Russian collusion, always all this, these attacks. And then it's similar to you, uh, similarly. I mean, I actually listened to the guy, you know, I actually started last year of COVID. I watched all his press conferences. I listened exactly what he said and then compared it to what the media said. What mm-hmm. he, they think he said, the distortions, right? And the projections onto him and, and his base. And it's completely off. It is completely off. And I, I can say I had more of an objective view because I was never identified with left or right. You know, mm-hmm. even never identified. And that's a, the, the key trap, the identification, as you just mentioned, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, because what's happening right now, it's, it's also this divide and conquer pitting humans against each other based on beliefs and identifications. And why I agree that evil, vertical, these occult fo- forces, whatever you might call it, have hijacked the left, right? Is working through the left in a sense, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yes. Um, uh, but what we, the, what should be very clear right now for people who can see a little bit through it after what happened in DC, that this is not about Republicans versus Democrats, the oh. classical thing. This is not the classical left versus right. Right. This is way beyond that. This is a larger war of like the archetypal uh, war of, of good versus evil manifesting through different factions. And the yes. trap they got to into is this the polarization right now through beliefs and identifications. You know, I even see trap like, you know, even with Trump, but I've never gone so far that I identify myself as a full on Trump supporter. I'm like, yes, you know what I mean? Like the savior projections and all of that. Right. He has his flaws, right? Absolutely. I don't even necessarily yeah. agree with everything he says and done and all of that. But who am I to say? Like, I'm not in that position, right? But I think he had the right character in a sense, even his egomaniac on some level to <laughs> be put in this position to deal with these forces he's up against. So he plays his role, but you cannot put all your faith into one man trying to save everything, right? This is bigger. This comes down right. to our role in it and what we do, right? In our own healing yes. and whatnot. But, you know, so this is the issue right now, this extreme polar, which they take advantage of, the polarization, right? Yes. And that's what we are like experiencing now. And 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 so what is what is the way out, so to speak? What is right? Because right now, everybody, like people like us or people have put faith into him and whatnot or bringing down the cabal, everybody's people just uh, disillusioned, right? In a sense, Um, because of a certain expectation, I would say we all had maybe certain expectations, but we don't know the the long range game as well. For me, it was very also from the get go clear. This is not going to just end on January 20th. We end for the long haul, right? And there may be more happening, but what do you reckon? What do you suggest what we could do now? What we need to focus on? Well, I think it's, yes, I, I want to come back to, I, I do want to address what, what each of us needs to do for ourselves right now. Yeah. Um, but understand where we are at. We've had, let's just say, America, which some people knew they could feel it. And if you go back and look at the articles from 2014, 2015, there were a couple of people in the mainstream, not because they were some virtuous group, they were conditioning people, um, but we were in a pre-revolutionary period in the United States. Uh, it had been fomented and created by the second term of Obama. It had been created because of 9-11, basically. And what most people don't realize yet, but when we go back and tell this story, Bush and Cheney together destroyed the Republican Party. They destroyed the Republican conservative from yesteryear. And that folded it, that 
that momentum swung to Obama to fix all of the last eight years of Bush and Cheney, not realizing that Bill Clinton was literally giving George Bush, when he walked into office, a loaded gun to go to work on our Constitution. 9-11 gave them the entire pretext to do it to us. And of course, we ended that eight-year reign of Bush Cheney with a financial crash, which gave it to Obama on such a level. That was a rigged election. He won in a landslide over McCain uh, on, a, on a level of probably would be the biggest election victory uh, outside of 2020 with Trump. But um, what happened to us was that the neocons went into the Democrat Party and where we're at today with our inner work is all of the betrayals, all of the truths, all of the things that we have attached ourselves to of the outside world, which have very little meaning to us anymore, require us to go to the only thing that we do know is true, and that's ourselves. And who are you? Not, you know, it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what, um, you think of yourself or don't, it just matters what you question in terms of the nature of your own reality that you find discomforting within yourself, your emotional state, your mental state, the things you, I mean, I can only tell you that it took me 38 years of suffering to finally begin to decide I wanted to change. I'm 42 now, but it, but it took me hitting rock bottom and getting to a very lonely place where on a Friday night I could go out and I didn't want to anymore. And I didn't want to be around anybody and no, none of the phone calls had stopped. The dates had stopped um, because I was in my own illusion. I was in my own movie illusion that I could escape reality because I always had as a child. And um, while I won't give into great detail, my childhood was, I was raised by two very intelligent uh, people, my father, having gone to Notre Dame, been an athlete, been an incredible businessman, and my mother coming from wealth, both of them from wealth, self-made wealth, um, but a, of a millionaire level status, it would be the top 5% of income earners today easily. Uh, but in high society, you know, my mother went to Fleur de Lis, which was like the um, the bishop or the or the or the uh, cardinal would be there, and they'd present the men and the women. And she rejected all of that. She was kind of a tomboy. But my mother and father were both alcoholics. They had both been sexually abused as children, pretty severely. Uh, my mother was mentally ill, and by the time she had me, she was thirty-eight. So her her control versus the other children that were minimum 10 years younger than, or 10, 10 years older than me, but she had it previously when she was 28 was the last child she had. Um, it was already kind of off the rails. And I was sort of there as the last savior of the family that it didn't work. Um, I've put this together over years, but it was a horrific childhood such to the point that I was eight years old and I was in a mental hospital. Now, I wasn't in a straight jacket. I wasn't in a padded room, but I was among other teenage children. And I would say even not teenage children who were, you know, a 12-year-old girl who had been selling herself um, since 11 years old on the street. Another girl who was 13, the same, a drug addict, uh, a person with schizophrenia, 
mental health problems. I mean, of a, of a high level, others that had suicide and depression. These are all children. These are all, these are all children like me. And seeing that and being in that for three months, I mean, it changed my life forever um, in a way that I didn't know at the time, but it gave me a place of rest and comfort in a way, away from my mother, away from that environment um, where I wanted to die. I, I truly wanted to die. I remember yelling at her saying, nobody loves me. I want to die. Mm. And I'm relating this to now because coming full circle um, if you put your hopes on everybody else to come through for you, then you're really not living your fullest life mm -hmm. possible. And you're missing, you're waiting for a moment to come with an answer, both that satisfies you emo first emotionally, actually, more than anything else. And then you somehow will begin, the door will begin to open. Everything will begin. To, I just got to meet the right people. I just got to yeah. network with the right people. If I, if I do all of these things and you're running around, running around, running around on the outside, but here's the thing. You can do all of that if you want, but it's what you create inside of yourself. And the surrender that people talk about to me is not so much what you have to feel you need to be that you know that you are not doing, but is so much more of understanding who you are, the person inside to get in touch with that little boy and that little girl that live inside your heart and love them in the way that they were never loved and find them and tell them that they're okay. Have play with yourself again. This is the really important thing I have learned through a relationship that I've begun to form with a young woman who has taught me unconditional love. And she does it not by speeches or pronunciations, but by the effect of her enduring my craziness. Sometimes my obsessions, my, my, um, my tangents. Right. And so it, it's, it's being honest. The, the key is really is just, being as honest with yourself as you possibly can at this moment, not to tear yourself down, but to liberate yourself. The truth is what will set you free. And the seeking of that knowledge first, for me, it was psychoanalytics, you know, so I was going through Alice Miller's books, which I am not diminishing at all. I think it gives clarity to so many things. The drama of the gifted child, the truth will set you free um, for your own good, which actually gives um, clarity to a lot of things going on globally and a historical perspective with Hitler's childhood mirroring his adult life. Uh, he was the perfect psychopath to be used. And but seeing but see, here's the thing. The more I got to know who I am, the more I could see myself and the world in relation to each other. Hmm. So it had less to do with my knowledge of things and more to do with my understanding, the knowing for myself the truth about who and what I am and to continue to seek that out, to never stop learning. Not just about, well, yes, you can go into histories of sub, you know, subjects and, and, and get all the, you know, speculative news and try to figure out where things are going. But once again, I'll just tell you, I, I got into human trafficking of children in 2017. And for two years, I contemplated all of the darkness of the world. Mm -hmm. Really, like, it was, I mean, I, I could take like testimony videos. 
um, books, all of this, and filter it down to what does it all mean conceptually? And then when I could see what, you know, somebody like Adam Schiff was doing, knowing full well that he was friends with Ed Buck, who had drugged those young teenage boys and raped them or killed them or whatever the hell it was. Um, I said, this is his, his association with this person. And I could then look at the other associations of the people that he's involved with, not just in politics, but in business as well, and start to see a bigger picture. It's all, it's, it's like what George Carlin said. It's a club. Okay. So you can get into all of this. And I mean, I got into it deeply and emotionally, and there were a lot of tears, but ultimately what it came back to was me. Mm. I had to deal with myself and my own dark side and my own childhood and my own trauma. And, and it was quite overwhelming to, I mean, it's still, I'm not saying I'm done, but I, I cleared out a lot of crap and started. I mean, I, I'll just tell you, I, I allowed myself to relax into God, which gave me the strength to face hmm and endure the pain knowing that whether, and I tell people this, I'm not trying to convince anybody, but whether it be placebo effect, your imagination or otherwise, the knowing that there was an eternal being that I was created, not me, John Paul Rice, but that the creation of life of all life comes from, especially after contemplating the dark side of the world and what they believe and what they do to children and why they do it. It showed me that that is where so many people who I've heard, you know, Jesus and, and, you know, in my looking at them as ignorant in the past and looking at them as dumb and, uh, and, and, you know, we all, the thing is this, guys, if you if you want everybody to believe the same, go start your own cult, line everybody up, and then you'll end up killing everybody. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what it all comes yeah. down to, religions or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going, that is their movie. That's their own lived experience. And if it helps them and the and the effect is positive and it and it invites a higher trust society, this is the key. What is the net effect of those beliefs as ignorant and as limiting as they may be? Mm -hmm. They are buttressing you against the worst crap that you could imagine that pulls you down or that you've seen or that you know is even within you and you have yet to fully resolve it because you haven't yet learned or taken the initiative or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's It's an essence and a power that is divine when you embrace that. And I, Tell people through your inner child is the easiest way to do it. That way you can't, because you know your child better than anybody else. You know your childhood better than anything else. And it's the most innocent, precious, magnificent, and vulnerable being that is within you, that has never left you, that wants to play with the world. And we have silenced that the world has and our unconsciousness has allowed that to happen. And I'll give you one example. If you have a dualistic system where there is $150 billion a year industry called human trafficking that has no end in sight and is growing 
and you have your world leaders who are benefiting directly from that industry, then you can't have a future for children. No. You can't create a world where there is safety and love and security for all life on this planet. And what you give away is your authority because you're basically transferring your birthright into a vote for people who do this shit to children. And I'm making that very simplistic, but I'm saying it's just one plus one. You, if this is true, how can this be true? This is where our cognitive dissonance starts. And it really actually starts when we're children because that cognitive dissonance is a contradiction that we have to hold on to that I know my mommy and daddy love me even though they hurt me. Hmm. I know my mommy and daddy love me even though they starve me. I know my mommy and daddy love me even though they humiliate me. I know my mommy and daddy love me even though they burn me with cigarettes. Hmm. And the reason why the child does this is it cannot conceive of its mother and father, for which when the child is born and is an infant, these are two gods the child, what most people don't, we don't know because we lose touch with this power, is the child is in a psychedelic state when it's born. It sees everything. It can see energy. It can feel vibrational energy. It sees everything in kind of like a weird way that, you know, people have talked about, the mystics. And, and um, but it's a hundred, but here's the science behind it. From zero to seven, it's a hundred percent programmable. It's in theta and delta brainwave states at a hundred percent of its time. And if you just look into what happens to an adult in those brainwave states, you can only imagine in a child how intense that is. So every word that the mother speaks to that child is literally speaking into existence the reality that that child, 95% of that child's reality is incubated for the first seven years. And it will create imitations of that reality that it grew up in for the rest of its life until it decides to break that courtship. And that's, that's where I'm telling people, you must get out of the TV, out of social media, because at the end of the day, you're chasing down a rabbit hole that will ultimately lead you away from who you are into finding a new savior, a new form of, of conviction through desperation. Whereas if you, and, and then it'll be temporary, really, yeah. it truly will until the next fix. So, it, so for me, it was, I can say all this now because I didn't know it then, but looking back on it, what I did was I just trusted that what I was feeling, what I could tell I was feeling on that day that I went through in March 29th, 2019, where I did a 40 minute meditation and my body came alive in a way that I never had it happen before. I was crying for 30 minutes. Hmm. But tears of joy were streaming down my cheeks because I could see that what was was leaving me was I was shedding this trauma, this fear, this this um, these these negative, horrible feelings that had been with me for a very long time. I saw images of all the people who had loved me, who had been a part of my life, who had who had lifted me out of my own darkness and given me breaks along the way, and. Ultimately, what it led me to understand in that whole summer, for nine months in 2019, I questioned God at every step of the way. Mm. I questioned my experience every step of the way. I said, if I'm going crazy, this is the happiest 
I've ever been in my life. <laughs> and it increased and it went through its, you know, its ups and downs. But I can tell you that day after I had that experience, I went outside to my door and there was a rose garden, an old rose garden, probably 30 to 40 feet away from my door. I could smell those roses like they were in my nose. Mm -hmm. My senses and everything were so heightened. Uh, my roommate said, you're glowing. Like whatever it is that I had transcended that day, um, it kicked off something inside of me that has not abated. And meditation, daily meditation and prayer is highly recommended. Mm. I tell people who have not tried this, it's like, look, this is like a muscle in your body that has not yet been used. It's got atrophy. Yeah. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to build it up with those five pound weights and those 10 pound weights, 15, 20, 30. If you're going in to sit down at a bench press to do 250 on your first try, good luck. You're going to get hurt. You're not going to want to do it any further. And I am a very stubborn individual. I mean, that part of me is there. It's absolutely true. Um, I resisted all of this for such a long time because I didn't think that, you know, it's like, come on, you know, I see, I see, you know, people are talking about your inner this and that and the woo woo. And it, it just, and I've seen the looniness of it too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of people in the spiritual, I'm not saying they're wrong. Um, but, but you don't go out and try to tell everybody what to do because I mean, you can point to things, you could say, hey, this is what I did. But really, it's the I've always said it's the the knowing for yourself is is the greatest truth that you can ever uncover because there's no belief that's required at that point. There's no knowledge where you have to remember in succession all of the devotations that you're supposed to do or the things that you're supposed to, you know, like ritualistic. That's OK. Habit, habits are great. You know, I, I think they're wonderful. Behavior altering habits. Wonderful. But, but at the end of the day, if it's all about, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and everything's, you know, it's like all organized in your head. It really, when you know you've hit that mark is when it goes beyond the words. Yeah. Right. It's not describable to anybody by words. And you really can't teach people spirituality. You, they have to experience it for themselves ultimately to come yeah. to that conclusion for themselves. Otherwise it's like, okay, you know, John said a lot of nice things. He seems to be okay to get, you know, it's like, like well, good for him, you know? No, no, like, uh, wow, thank you so much, uh, John. But I, I also want to mention this because that's always I was looking forward to talk to you. I've watched other interviews of you, mentioned you with, with David Whitehead and other in your own videos. I can see in you, uh, it's embodied, a true experience. It's not just intellectual, spiritual knowledge you gain because of reading some spiritual books. Right. And you, and you hit the nail on the head about knowing thyself, your true self, to bring in God, the divine, knowing your true essence. That's where it comes, yes. who you truly are. Because people mistake, know thyself. Well, I am Bernard. I like this and this. I know myself. And they mistake the conditioned personality, even wounded self for the true self. Right. But it's not mm -hmm. 
you know my my name and whatnot but you made a very good point i think the key point is so paradoxical this path anyways because i can very much relate to like my work of the past 20 years digging down the rabbit hole piercing the veil of reality getting into conspiracy fringe reptilians hyperdimensional matrix occult forces <laughs> all of that which is there which is valid you know oh, yeah. and experiences <laughs> And even like also I can relate to in, in the face of uh, researching human trafficking, sexual ritualistic abuse, satanic ritual abuse, uh, even go down to child uh, sacrifice. It's extremely dark and disturbing, right? But you can get lost in the rabbit hole. I see so many people, I was even attracted to my work, getting lost in the fringe rabbit hole and there's this and that's and it becomes a fascination almost of the ego. Yes. Right. Yes. And then you get now discerning and the intellect takes over, the mind takes over and you get, there's always more. You will never figure out the matrix intellectually. Forget about it. Right. right. But you said something which I even wrote in one of my essays, you know, after all the rabbit holding you do, whatever you, whatever you get into, if you're sincere anyway, you will at one point face a mirror and face yourself and that's it. Because yes. that's what we have to do. But I real I feel like when I heard you speak and really described it, also like with regards to spiritual woohoo, there's obviously spiritual bypassing where people get hooked on spiritual peak experiences and well, whatnot. Your ego can go right up into the it. The ego likes to hijack it, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I feel like the true experience comes there's an esoteric truth, you know, the ascent and descent at the same time as above, so below that we have to go, the only way out is in and through, that you had to experience the darkness, face your darkness, face the darkness yeah. in the world to, in order to see the light and anchor the light. Like Carl Jung said, that the tree that reaches to, reach to heaven has to have its roots in hell. Or Sri Aurobindo said, no one can reach heaven who has not walked through hell, proverbially. And that's what we're experiencing right now collectively as well. So we yes. can project trying to fix, but we need to face ourselves. And you're yes. so right, you know, with the child wounding, like, you know, even the, the work I do with my wife, Laura, we have a course running Embodied Soul Awakening. We also work on the basic shadow work and basic childhood trauma and childhood wounding, the basic inner child work, which I'm still working on after all these 20 yes. years, you know, yeah. and it's coming up in layers. And I had my own, you know, emotionally distant father, you know, selfish mother and all of this like de developmental trauma that is not maybe overt you know abuse but not being seen and uh, in you uh, mentioned a psychological truth the first seven years of our life set up the rest of our adulthood right and that's i'm still coming back to that and see it coming up and i see so yeah. many people now even like getting upright even at the protests everybody you know whatever side they are on they're hijacked by their own trauma Yes. Their trauma, they're suffering, but they don't know they're suffering. They're projecting, right. right? And then looking for some sort of like life draft, like you mentioned, find something externally, you know, which they can grab on to save to them from their own suffering. To validate their, 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 the way they feel. Exactly. Yeah. It's like you can't, you can't give people just knowledge and information unless it emotionally agrees with them as well. Mm. Because at yeah. the end of the day, our cognitive dissonance is that difference, which is I know this to be true, but I also feel this as well. And that's where I, I, I'm, I'm experiencing this emotion. And then it becomes the feeling in the heart, right? Ultimately, the thought and the emotion meet. And then in the heart is where they feel it. So it feels true. It feels right. And, yeah. and that doesn't mean they're wrong, actually. It's just, this is where it gets kind of crazy. And I, I, I tell people this because they can't believe it. And if you had told me this, I, a couple of years ago, I would have told you to go F yourself, you know, 
Um, I came to the understanding that where you are truly healed, this isn't like a, this isn't like a, a one day event, but my father died last year and all that I went through in 2019, I truly believe prepared me for that moment. In fact, I could feel that at a certain point that I was being prepared for my father's death. Hmm. Didn't know how that would happen, when it would happen. Didn't know what the circumstances would be, but that the trauma that I healed from, I'll just say, I fell to the floor. I convulsed and cried in a way that I have never felt in my entire life. My, my face the glands in my uh, around my eyes, it was the most intense pressure and vibration I've ever felt and tears that um, I could not describe. I mean, I can't, I can only describe the, the remembrance of that where the pain I fell to the ground, kind of almost like in a fetal position. And I was weeping and sobbing saying, I never wanted to love him that way. I didn't want to, I didn't want to love him that way. And the pain was so deep. I, it was almost like I could see it. It was like all my nerves in the middle that were connected up my spine. Like it was like intense pressure and then release mm. after three minutes. Um, why I'm sharing this is because what gave me this strength to go forward when you know you really healed and people talk about this all the time is that you have unconditional love and true forgiveness for people. You have compassion, which is not an outside thing that you give, nor is forgiveness. It's within mm -hmm. my dad. I, I was with him for five days in December of 20, 2019. They were the best five days I've ever had with that man. A man I never knew a man who had abandoned me at four after sexually abusing me as a child um, I had known him over my adulthood. I will tell you that the key in my estimation is that there's two things to know for people who have survived this trauma uh, or any trauma for that matter, especially when it's the mother and father who were supposed to love you is I looked at them as children when they were born. And I realized that there is no child that wants to live this way. If they knew where they were headed, if they knew there is no child that would choose to sexually abuse their own children. One day, there is no child that would neglect their children that way. Um, it was done to them, which is not an excuse, but a lot of people move into this place of healing that once they know the truth, uh, and they can be angry, then they stay there. And that's considered healing because now they can't yeah. be hurt again. Yeah. And I used to be there for sure. But what came about was this understanding where, I looked at both of them and I realized that I could do what they could not. 
And I could give that gift to my father at the end when he could not. And what came out of him was the child within him that was loving, giving, and kind with me those five days with all the brutality of this man and all of the, of the hatred and bitterness that was in him. I saw a child emerge in him because I was with him and for him and wanted to be with him. And it took me many, many years to get to that place because seven years prior, this might be important for your audience. I was reading a book called The Body Never Lies by Alice Miller, and it came to a certain passage in the book. And I immediately had a flash of anger that pulled me out of the book. I saw in my head my father as a younger man when I was a child. He had dark hair, tied up and gagged with a bloody nose, sitting in a chair. And I was there with two electrodes with a maniacal look in my eyes of pleasure about to electrocute and kill him. Mm. And the reason I share this is because I didn't run away from that image as horrific as it was and as angry and as supercharged. I realized that my subconscious mind had put something up there for me to finally see and deal with and go, why did I just have that experience? Because the level of violence that was done unto me as a child created that. And I went into therapy and I did um, some hypnosis and all that. And I saw it. I went back into a memory of my childhood. I saw it, it, but it began the process to free and heal me so that I could just, instead of hating him, I, I've, I've made the, I had made the attempt to try to get answers from him. He denied it, denied it, denied it. And it only caused me more horror and suffering inside reliving that trauma from trying to get answers from a parent who had harmed me that I had known had harmed me and wouldn't admit to it. That's the part where this unconditional love and forgiveness is not something that you have to command out of yourself through shame and guilt. You must get rid of the shame and guilt and see that the shame and guilt that was put into you was also put into him and put into his father and all these other people before you. And you have a choice as to whether it ends with you. Mm -hmm. And so Whatever it was, my inner strength or my madness and all that, and I say madness because it's, it's not like I'm some crazy nut job, although my mind thinks that way, but is my awareness of that person, that part of myself. And so what this comes full circle with about compassion, unconditional love and forgiveness, which people say, I am no way going to forgive this person. I am in no way. It's very hard for me to have compassion for other people. Certainly it is if you don't have it for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. very hard to have compassion on people who attack you, hate you, say all sorts of things about you when you are looking from the outside yeah. at them. But when you see your own contradictions, you see your own pain, you see your own suffering, you realize that your suffering is their suffering. Their suffering is your suffering. Different expressions of it, but the same emotion and different traumas, but essentially the same emotion that comes as a result of them. So what it gave me the opportunity to do with my father and my mother to an extent, although that's the part I'm still working on. Um, both of them are dead and 
my mother died 10 years ago, so I didn't have the opportunity then really to do the work that I did with this this past year with my dad. And I share this because the honest expression of the anger and the hatred that you have for them is the first sign of health that you're acknowledging that you do of the past and what you actually wanted to do to them because the denial is what creates the serial killer. The denial of reality is what creates the narcissist. Those things are, I mean, I understand the hardwired nature in brains, but I'm talking about the traumas that keep us in place, keep us held down are our own denials of reality. And when I went through this process, it's an emotional process. It's not a intellectual one. The knowledge can point you in the direction, but ultimately the healing is in here in this body. It allowed me to see the world and myself in a way that I had never seen before. And so all I can say is that the more honest you are with yourself, with yourself first, the love, compassion, and care that you have for yourself will then be given to others without a word being spoken. Yeah. That's really what it is all about. Yeah. And when we're, where we're headed, I believe, is a time where we will have to do those things. We will need, there will need to be bridges with forgiveness given to people to come over. Because if you cast out all of your enemies, on the whole, like they're doing to you, it doesn't matter what side of this equation you're on, guys. It's if you're allowing yourself to group all liberals, all Republicans, all MAGA people, all this, all black people, all white people, you fall into the trap of identity and you are missing out on lived experiences from people who are seeking answers just like you. We're all refugees from this horrific system. No, no matter what angle you come at it from, we're all refugees, some further along than others, for sure. But if you're going to take on my 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 opinion is that if you're going to take on a position like I'm OK and I'm fine, teach other people how to fish and nourish themselves. Don't stand among them and say you're better just because you may you might find some reason to consider yourself better, whatever artificial dimension it is. <laughs> But the final analysis of this whole thing, this whole time for me, was once we begin to see each and every single one of us, starting with ourselves, as precious and magnificent of a living creator of heaven and earth, of some, something that loves us unconditionally and has never stopped loving us, no matter what we have done, even when we've turned away, even when we, quote, sin, all of it, whatever your, your understanding of it is, come to that understanding that you are precious and magnificent, as is every single other of your fellow human beings, no matter how stupid you might think they are, or ignorant they are, or how corrupt they are. They're all from the same Father. And if we did that, if we just began to see that way, the level of compassion, love, empathy would rise. You'd have a higher trust society. You wouldn't have to have enemies to fight. You draw people who are lost in the darkness away from that darkness into the light, and they'd have their own free will to choose. You'd be gentle. Plant the seed. Plant the seed for the next speaker. Plant the seed so that, so that 
every act of love that you have given to yourself is given to another. And that's a deposit of gold in the bank for their future, because that's what happened to me. I shouldn't be here. There's many people who shouldn't be here, but we are because there were people along the way, whether you believe it's God that put them there or they were there. I think it's a much bigger picture than all, all of those simplistic ways of putting it, but that we're all in the same movie of life in this play that we're in and we have to figure it out. And yet at the same time, if you look at everybody as a child of God, God's speaking to you at every moment. Yeah. You start this way. Yeah. Beautiful. Wow, John. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's the, that's the road towards a better world, literally as well from the hermetic principle as within, so without. So we recognize that because there's an interrelationship, you know, and what I see right now, what's happening in the world is like this massive trauma installment program, because they know trauma creates the entry point for which we can manipulate it uh, emotionally, psychologically, our behaviors, everything, you know, and everybody is traumatized. Trauma means wounded. We are all wounded. If you, anybody who claims who's not traumatized is for me simple as, as, claiming us to be enlightened you know yes. because the yes. You know, yes. that's for me literally it <laughs> run <Even, laughs> run <laughs> yeah I, i'm not trauma i have no one and i'm perfect you know but even like uh who said this um reggie ray one of melora's teachers she said you know even the original trauma is the ego in its sense ego is a trauma response of disconnection from source of of separation from everything right the ego yes. identification is a trauma response i identity politics is a trauma response it's like the little child wants just to belong to something you know you see antifa kids i mean they pride themselves with their psychosis and what meds they're on literally it's on their bio sometimes you know like it becomes pathology normalized and same like i've said this you know i remember you mentioned something in a few in past interviews that which I totally agree and, and talked about this as well. And well, I want to get more into the second hour, the whole Q thing, white hats and arrests and whatnot, but really getting rid of all the evil people and arresting them and executing them is not the solution, right? No. Your symptom management and you're just projecting. And it's not about, you know, the, the new age, like premature forgiveness and love and light intellectually and just let's us get along. People need to be held accountable. There are consequences. There's karma and all of that. But once you take this virus of, of anger, like I mentioned, anger is, is, we need to also not demonize anger. Like you mentioned, it has its purpose, right? Yeah. It's like you need to become angry. Like I also needed to remember when I was in ther- therapy, like I had issues, my therapist through the like gestalt therapy guided me to become, to express my anger towards my mother, like angry, angry empty chair exercise. It was yeah. the worst thing. I could not do it because I felt guilty. Yes. about it but my inner child was pissed off i had to express it in a safe yes. way in an empty chair not projecting way that you it on never her. had been able to do before when exactly you didn't have a choice but now you do and then what do you do with it right that's the thing it's like we yeah. all feel this guilt and shame like i don't want to tell my mother this i don't want to tell my father <laughs> yeah. this and i and this is the hard part i tell people i said well okay that may be true but If it was a stranger that did exactly the same thing to you, would you have as much of a problem with it? Yeah. Would you, would you listen to that person again? Would you want that person? Would you fall for that person's deceptions once again? No, odds are very low. You would. And that's the hard part is that we have such a, 
it's not a so I, I don't believe it's a social conditioning. I think this is a biological connection that we have with our mother and father, and it's for good reason. I think that's yeah. part of the beautiful design of childhood is is that when you're talking about a mother and father who are God, uh, and if they give you unconditional love and have you have your own freedom and autonomy, you become your own person. You're not worried about disappointing them. Because you know that you're secure in a foundation of love, that there's wisdom to be imparted to you. There's care and consideration to your own feelings rather than somebody who put their own feelings first. And this is what falls into like abortion with women and being uh, my body, my choice, my right. I'm not accepting everything that they say at 100% face value. But the question would be, how could a woman who wasn't treated precious, loving, and beautiful by their own mother and father, see that the child and the life growing inside them is exactly that when they never had it. Mm-hmm. I met many a women in LA who talked about abortions, three and four of them, not like some militant psycho, but had no emotional connection to any of it. It was like, it was like giving you a, a reading on a statistic. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, I've had two. You know, and and yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. And then and then you see though, but you also start to see the traumas that are emerging in that person that that keep them conditioned in a life that locks them away from accessing any real feelings and connection with people, and they find themselves usually with very violent people or very destructive people psychologically for them. Anyway. Um, but yes, let's get into that uh, if you want to in the second hour, because I think it's very important that we understand where we're where we are, where we're headed, where we're going, and there's there's a couple scenarios that need to be discussed because I think logically people need to th- see this bigger picture at play, and they need that's why this this healing inside is so important for this time because if you're going for outside heroes. And thinking that it's all going to be wrapped up neatly in a nice little bow when all the perpetrators are walked in front of you and we wash our hands of this and move on and go back to the way things are. We're setting ourselves up to basically say, okay, you guys tell us what to do and we'll do it. (laughs) Exactly. No, excellent, John. Let's get into that. Let's dive deep in the second hour, also in context of what's happening in the world, the Q topic, the plan, whatever it may be, may not be, you know, the, the truth in it, the deceptions in that. And, you know, diving in deeper to bring it this integral approach, we'd really appreciate this is so much needed to really seek truth without and within, most importantly, yeah. right? And have this unifying vision and, and the sincerity within. And um, just for our listeners, where can people find you, reach you? So, <laughs> Nowadays, uh, it changes. By the time this gets posted, <laughs> all of my accounts could have been taken down. So... Uh, <laughs> So here's here's the thing. I tell people, if you want to find me on social media, just look up under No Restrictions, which is my company, No Restrictions Entertainment. Uh, no Restrictions. I'm on Instagram. I'm still on Twitter uh, as of right now. And I'm on Facebook, although I don't usually add people there. I, I keep my friends to under 400 and something. Um, you can follow me there. You can follow my posts. I do like to hear from people. If they've got a message that they want to send me, send it to me. Uh, email my website, no restrictions, ENT. You can, there's a form on there. Our films are on there. Child's voice is on there. Uh, all of our other movies are on there. 
you can reach out via the form. I do check that from time to time, and I will try to respond to you as, in a timely manner. So anybody wants to reach out, please do so. No restrictions, uh, website, no restrictions, ENT website, no restrictions on social media, and a whole bunch of other accounts that I haven't activated yet. So. Beautiful. And I'll link to all of that uh, in the info description. Yep. And again, the second hour is for members. Anybody who's not a member yet, please go to my website, veilofreality.com. Sign up as a member to support my work as well, if you like. You have access to the membership forum and second hour to all the podcasts. John, it's been a pleasure, and we'll be right back. <laughs>